Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, I'm going to finish the conversation about the purity culture and how that affected me, while also telling you the story of how I met my husband. remember last time I was talking about living down by Detroit, going to college and being very, very single, even though I was part of um, a singles group. And even though I had met some interesting characters down there, nothing was anything that I would consider marriage worthy. And it was just not working out. And so the sum of this start all started the story I'm going to tell you, I was 24. And I was very, very single. And not only was I single, but my little brother was getting married. My little brother was marrying a girl five years older than me at the end of that summer. And to say that I felt alone and single and kind of like an old maid and just off the charts of even being interested, having anybody interested in me was just totally an understatement. I was very, very alone. And so I went to camp like I always did. This was my fourth summer at camp. And every summer, I always had this idea in my head that perhaps I would meet my husband here. Because so far, I hadn't met him at college. I hadn't met him at church. And so camp was just like a good option, you know? And so every year, I would go with these hopes and dreams, and hopefully something would happen. And every year, I would come home still single. And so on this particular summer, I remember getting there. I remember we were all just kind of hanging out, talking to each other before staff training started. And as I looked around the circle of young people that year, I realized there was only four guys at camp. Four. And I looked at all four of them as they stood there talking to us, and I was like, yeah, well, so much for that. Two of them had just graduated from high school. One of them was a guy from Indiana that, yeah, I didn't really know very well, but just off the top of my head was not interested. And the fourth was a boy that I had met summer before that named Josh. Now, Josh was young. I knew he was about 19, and I had actually met him a couple times before this. The first time I met him, he was a camper. Yes, he was a camper. He was a senior, and he was in my drama group that I was helping a friend to direct. We were doing choreography to a song. And as the only boy in drama group, I thought I knew why he was there. I was like, wow, this kid is here for the girls. Like, what a jerk. And honestly, he made such an impression on me as the 17-year-old that he was that I remember exactly what he was wearing. And it wasn't a good impression. Like, it was just a one-hour thing where I had his first impression. I thought he was a jerk. And I went away from there, but somehow I remembered him. Well, the next year, they hired him as a counselor. And I was just absolutely horrified. How could they hire that guy as a counselor? And yet they had. And as I got to know him a little bit, I was like, okay, well, you know, I misjudged him. Unbeknownst to me, that summer he was in my drama group. He had actually just gotten back from a missions trip to, to Bolivia. And he just was really excited about drama. And so that's why he was there. So the year that he was 18, I we all got to be friends a little bit. And so I knew who he was. He was he was a nice kid. And so standing there looking at those four guys, I just was like, yeah, this, this isn't happening this summer. And honestly, I was just really sad, just really sad because I wanted to be married. I wanted to be a wife, I wanted to be a mom, but I'm 24. My biological clock is ticking, man. Especially with all these girls that I knew who had gotten married at 17. We're already having like three or four babies by now. And I'm just hanging out being single. If you read my journals, I was just so conflicted because on one hand, I was trying super hard to be content in my singleness and just follow Jesus and love him and pursue the passions that he'd given me. 
And on the other hand, I just really wanted to be married. Like I didn't want to be alone. But I really did not know how to do the whole dating thing, the whole boyfriend thing. I just had no idea how to do that. And so I was just stuck. Fortunately for me, Josh wasn't stuck. Josh was very persistent. In fact, the very first day of staff training, we did this goofy team building thing. And he announced to everybody how much he loved working with me because we had just worked well together, which honestly we did. It was this goofy game where you had to cross the Grand Canyon and there were supposedly two magic shoes, one on one side and one on the other. And so the rest of you guys had to like put your feet on top of each other's feet and hold hands and try to work together to get across this Grand Canyon without letting go. Like if there was a break in the length of your feet, then you were dead. So you had to start over again. And nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. They all just kept falling over. But Josh and I just happened to be standing next to each other. And when it was our turn to move, like we just could do it together. I don't know how to explain it. We were a good team. We worked well together. And he noticed that. And I was embarrassed by the fact that he called me out on that. And all that summer, I stayed at camp on the weekends because I lived two and a half hours away. And the guy from Indiana stayed at camp because he lived in Indiana. And Josh stayed at camp, even though he lived 10 minutes away. Yes. So the three of us hung out every weekend all summer long. And I remember that he would just say these funny things to me. We'd be walking across camp, but all of a sudden I hear this voice yelling, Hey, Christy, do you know how to can peaches? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I was homeschooled in a super conservative, old fashioned kind of group. So yeah, I know all kinds of canning skills. Or he'd say things like, I know my boys keep telling you that you're hot and they shouldn't do that, but I can't disagree with them. I was like, what is he trying to say? Like, what is he trying to do? And so I remember that I told him, don't even think about it, like three or four times that summer, because he wasn't super direct, but yet he was always there and he was always pursuing and being this persistent guy. And even though I was telling him, don't even think about it, in my journals, I was writing lists of his wonderful characteristics. Like, I thought he was amazing. I loved his servant's heart. I loved his heart for Jesus. I loved his heart for kids. And most of all, I just loved his story. Up until this time, I had had a lot of people in my life that I had prayed for and loved and just watched them go off the deep end. I, I worked with difficult children. I loved them and I prayed for them and I hoped for the best for them. And they just never really followed Jesus. I had my childhood friend that I had prayed for for years and he was still just making bad choices. And so I had never really met somebody who had a story where they were not a great person and then came to Christ. But that was Josh's story. He came out of just a really rough teenage years where he just didn't follow Jesus. He was into all kinds of crazy stuff. And he connected with God and he gave it all up. And now he was living for Jesus. And I was just amazed by that. I love that about him. I think the fact that he was only 19 just kind of got him under my radar. I didn't see him as a potential husband to shut down and be an ice princess about because I was like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? He was just this nice 19-year-old kid that I really enjoyed. I really liked. And we ended up spending a ton of time together that summer. It was so funny. I'm not sure if God put us together or if somebody up in the office saw a possible match because we were scheduled on every activity together. In the afternoons, the kids at camp would have this free time and the counselors would take turns running activities. And for some reason, Josh and I always ran the activities together. So it was like Josh and Christy at go-karts, Josh and Christy at the water slide, Josh and Christy at BB guns and archery, Josh and Christy, Josh and Christy. And so we had all this time together. And I got to know him. And I just, I liked him. I really liked him. But at the same time, I was trying really hard not to like him. So it was just this weird scenario. And camp is like this strange place where you're almost like under a microscope and 
also in the same time in an incubator. And so everything just goes so much faster. You see people at camp every day in every kind of circumstance. And so there's not like you have all this time, you have to get to know people. Like you get to know somebody at camp. You get to know them. You see them in every in any situation when they're stressed, when they're angry, when they're tired, when they're grumpy, when they're happy. Like you see it all. And so our seven weeks of friendship at camp, honestly, it was probably like months and months of friendship in the real world. Towards the end of the summer, my parents came to visit me. And for some reason, Josh wasn't there that weekend. I don't remember why not, but he wasn't around. And they came to visit and we hung out and we talked and they took me different places and had adventures with me. And apparently I did nothing but talk about Josh. I didn't realize I was talking about him all the time, but that's what I was doing. And they finally said, Christy, like, what's going on with this Josh guy? And I was like, oh my gosh, nothing. We're just friends. Like, I don't know. He's just this, he's a great kid. We're just friends. And after they left, I just got convicted. Like my heart was just smote within me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am letting him just distract me from Jesus and from my kids this summer. This is terrible. I just need to give this to God and let it go. And so I did for like three days. For three days, I just was like, nope, we're just friends. And I stopped thinking about it. And I just kind of pushed him off. We were still scheduled together everywhere. And on Wednesday, we were at go-karts. And as we were working on go-karts and taking care of the kids and letting them drive around the track and hopefully not crash into anything, this girl walks down the hill towards the go-kart track. And I'd never seen her before. She was, I don't know, probably Josh's age. And she's kind of like walking down the hill. And she's like, hey, Josh. And he's like, hey. And I'm like, who are you? You know, in my heart, I'm just like already hating her. What's going on? Trying to calm myself down. She's like, what are you doing this weekend, Josh? And I'm like, he's hanging out with me. But I didn't say that. I just tried to smile. And the more I saw her talking to him, the more I just wanted to rip her eyeballs out. And I was like, what in the world is going on with me? I thought I gave this up. I thought I let this go. But obviously I didn't because I was kind of freaking out. And I was trying so hard not to get like, not so he would know that I was, I didn't want him to know I was feeling this way. So I was trying super hard to be chill. And at the same time, trying to be nice to this girl that I just hated. And finally she leaves. Turns out she was like this random camp friend that he hadn't seen in years. And she just like showed up. I think God sent her so that I would like not miss my opportunity. Anyway, she leaves and he turns to me and he says, so do you hate girls or something? I was like, no. Didn't you see how nice I was to her? And he's like, no, you weren't very nice to her at all. I was like, oh, yeah, I was. And he's like, can I guess why you didn't like her? And I said, no. And go-karts was over, so I ran away. And I ignored him for the next two days. I mean, literally ignored him. And I was miserable. I don't cry much in real life. I mean, I'll cry in books and movies constantly. But in real life, I don't, I don't necessarily cry. And I cried all the time all the time. I missed him so much. I was so miserable. So finally on Saturday after the kids left, I came up to him and I said, Josh, I'm really sorry for being like that. That was really stupid. Like, will you forgive me? And can we be friends again? And he was like, yeah, you want to hang out this weekend? And so I said, yeah, I do. And the guy from Indiana was actually hanging out with his parents that weekend. So it was just the two of us, just Josh and I. And the most awkward thing happened. We went to this church. We like to like jump around in different churches and try different churches out. We went to this church and it was a brand new church we'd never been to before. And the greeter said, hey, you know, whatever. And do you guys have any kids? And like, he totally thought we were like a couple, married couple or something. And, and Josh just smiled and said, no, and like, let it go. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was embarrassing. We had lunch together. He started telling me all about like his life and all these things about him being really honest. And he said, the next girl I get close to, I want to be my future wife. 
I was like, what in the world is he trying to say? I don't know what's going on. And so on the way home from lunch back to camp, he asked me if anything I, he said to me made me uncomfortable. And I was like, uh, no. I said, but I am curious about some things. And so I started asking him about like, why did he say things like do camp peaches and all this other stuff like that. And there was this silence and then he looked at me and he opened his mouth and he spoke the most beautiful speech I've ever heard in my life. But I honestly can't remember it because I was so freaked out about what I should say when he finished talking. And he just told me how he fell in love with me step by step, step by beautiful step over the summer, how he had fallen in love with me. And I, I opened my mouth to tell him that he was too young and he shouldn't even think about it. And instead I told him to call my dad and he did crazy boy. And so we were secretly together for the last two weeks of camp. Now, that's a beautiful story. I love it. But the purity culture still affected us. My parents kind of freaked out when they found out that I wanted to marry a 19-year-old punk who really didn't have any idea what he was doing with his life. And let's be honest, he was kind of a punk at this point. He was 19. He wasn't even going to college. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. He had only been a Christian really for about three years. He had a lot of baggage. There's a lot of stuff going on still. He had this amazingly beat up old car that was so loud it's like the muffler was like dying but even more loud was the christian rap music that he played as he was driving into camp i knew when he was coming i could hear him from like a mile or two away between his car and the rap music and i honestly just loved that about him but my parents were not super fans and so they suggested and at the time i thought it was i didn't realize it was just a suggestion it seemed very due to my view of authority very um this is what needs to happen but they suggested a six-month break. And the crazy boy apparently thought that I was worth it because he was willing to take the six-month break. But we did not talk to each other, text each other, email each other, nothing for six months. We saw each other twice at camp-related functions, and that was it. And so we took this break, this six-month break. We emailed my father answers to some questions that he had gotten from someone else. And we prayed about our relationship. And that was it. Six months. It's a long time. We got back together in February, and in March, we were already looking at engagement rings. And a year after we kind of secretly got together at camp, we were engaged. And a year after that, we were married. And you know what? It's interesting to me. The purity culture affected both of us in different ways. When Josh came to Christ, he was involved in a youth group. And he had been very, um, very heavy guy into girlfriends. Like He was always had a girl around, always had a girl around. And so there was things that he had done that he was regretful of. And so after he came to Christ, he got a Christian girlfriend, but things kind of went the same way. They'd always gone. And so he was not real happy with that. And his youth pastor just encouraged him, hey, why don't you just take a break? And so by the time we started dating, I don't think he had a girlfriend for like two years. And I'd never had a boyfriend. I'd never been kissed at this point. And so we had an interesting like experience with the purity culture in our relationship. Both of us went into our relationship with some pretty high standards. And I don't regret any of that. Like we had, we had high standards, like ridiculous. I would never tell somebody they had to do this, but we didn't even hold hands until we got engaged. And then we didn't kiss until we got married on the lips. There were some other kisses that happened, but not on the lips until we got married. And I'm not, while I would never tell somebody they should do that, I'm not regretful that we had those standards at all. I feel like we had enough physical contact to make things fine and easy. There was also like enough boundaries that things never went too far. And he really wanted to respect me and the fact that I had never done anything with anybody. And he also wanted to respect me because he knew he tended to push boundaries in his old life. And so I really appreciate that. I really appreciated that. And 
I feel like the purity culture definitely tends to affect people in some negative ways in their relationship and their marriage, but it didn't really do that to us. And I think part of it was because we both had very healthy views of sex. We had some really great premarital counseling. We got very educated with some excellent books on sex. And so that kind of negativity wasn't in our relationship at all, even though I know that can really be something that bothers a lot of people in their relationships. But the thing that really did get to us was this prideful attitude that we had. I feel like we almost thought like we did it right. And so we used our story, oh gosh, for years afterwards, like in youth groups and at camp, trying to tell kids like, this is how you should do it. This is how you should do it. And so we were influenced by it to a certain extent. And I'm still somebody who believes that God's best plan for sex is in marriage. I really do. I absolutely believe that. I think it's very biblical. At the same time, like I said before, in our last episode, we cannot control our heart brokenness, our broken sexuality through rules and behaviors. We can't do that. It has to be a heart change that Jesus creates in us. And so I would never tell somebody that they had to follow my formula or that if they did follow my formula for relationship, that it's going to work out. But at the same time, I am going to encourage a biblical relationship, which is honoring to God and honor to each other without all the rules and stuff that tells you how you have to do things. So that's my story. Dating was unique. I feel like our um, years of dating, I just really had no idea what I was doing. There were so many times he would come over. We long distance dated. He was on the west side of the state and I was over in Detroit area. And so it was always long distance. So he would come over and stay with my aunt and uncle or I would go over and stay with his family. And I just honestly, I remember being so nervous about stuff. Like I could hardly eat half the time he'd take me out to dinner and I could hardly eat. I felt like I had to like change up my whole wardrobe so I could be cool enough for him. So there's just, you know, the challenges of learning how to be in a relationship. But he was so patient with me and so wonderful. And I absolutely do not regret the fact that we got together at all. He is my best friend, my biggest fan, I guess you'd say. He's somebody who believes in me. I feel like he's probably the person in the world that believes in me the most. He's always pushed me to be the person that I am. He's never been intimidated by my strength or my very strong personality. He's always just been there to support me and love me. And we make a great team. We really do. Now, is that because I waited for God's best? I don't know. I think God is just gracious. And I think that I was trying really hard to follow Jesus. And so is he. And God just said, these two will be great together. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an, I don't have an answer because there's no formula. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, that's in the story. Thanks for listening. Next time, we're going to talk about why I'm still a Christian and just how God's love is involved in that. We're going to talk about how experiencing God's love for myself and really knowing that he loved me because of other broken people just helped me to continue to be a Christian. I'm excited to share that with you guys. And until then, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.